What's up everyone and welcome to episode 103 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, speak to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well, uh, Had a hope everyone's had a lovely week as well. I myself, I've literally just got home from a weekend up in Leeds uh, celebrating my best friend's birthday, so happy birthday Sophie. Uh, if anyone's friends with her, didn't say happy birthday, do it now retrospectively belated happy birthday yeah do it um yeah we were up there for uh for dreadfest which if people don't know is like a three-day grindcore crust sort of festival and it was yeah it was bloody lovely um saw some really cool bands saw some even nicer mates which was loads of fun um bands of notes that i was really impressed with obviously worm rot were fucking incredible um, it was just one of the most intense sets I've seen in a very long time. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. Uh, apart from that, Harrowed were really cool. Uh, French power violence band called Harm Done. They were fucking ace. Uh, everyone should go check them out. And uh, Unyielding Love were one of the standouts of the weekend. They were incredible, completely mind-blowing. Um, and their new stuff sounds fucking evil as fuck. So yeah, they... All in all, really good weekend, really fun weekend. Um, and yeah, speaking of, of pals over the weekend, my good friend Svalbard also played Dreadfest, so got to see them again. They can't, seem to can't get rid of me at the moment. Um, but coincidentally, links in with this week's guest, uh, who is the newest member of Svalbard, uh, their bassist Alex Heffernan. Uh, me and Alex discuss his love for uh, Shai Halud, uh, his sort of wish that he could have done a bit more with his former band Eulogy um, and how he's always seems to be in the right place right time when sort of joining bands and, and filling in and, and sort of things like that and how he's kind of equated to, to where he is now being the latest member of Svalbard so yeah uh, so yeah that's we'll crack on with that please enjoy the chat that I have with Hef and I'll see you on the other side Um, I'm going, so we'll, yeah, we'll fine. go for it. Um, sat in Alistair Fife's van with the latest member of the Sarbar family, Alex Heffernan. Alex, thank you very much for, for doing this for, for me. Yeah, thanks for asking. Right, it's, nice. um, yeah, I was kind of honoured <laughs> slash bewildered that you asked me, really. Um, well, out partying last night, how are you feeling? It was like four Guinness. Four <laughs> It was it was a rare occasion. Um, Liam and Serena were DJing after our set in Bristol. Lots of school disco. Yeah. Lots of nineties uh, dance. We had S Club. We had Venga Boys. I think there was a bit of Venga Boys when I left. That I yeah. saw Liam out of the corner of my eye having way too much fun. <laughs> it, unexpe- <laughs> it went off pretty hard, <laughs> unexpectedly. Um, that's the thing, and, like, punks just love cheesy pop. Yeah, I know, you think they want a, a grub a disco, but actually secretly they just want the the songs of their youth. The yeah. school disco that yeah. I never had because I was too anxious to dance. <laughs> so you're living it now instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, as I've mentioned to you briefly when we were arranging this, uh, the show's called Just an Insight. I take my guests sort of back to their kind of origins or whatever. So the way I always like to start it is kind of what got you into alternative music in the first place? What was your sort of first exposure mm. of it? Um, 
I'm trying to think because when I think alternative music, like the easy thing to go to is like, you know, metal and yeah, yeah, and punk and stuff. Um, but I feel like when I was quite a bit younger, mm. my um, I've got a sister that's five years older than me, right? And um, she was really into like, I mean, this was the '90s, so like, like real gangster rap. Okay. Which I suppose it was kind of alternative yeah, music yeah, yeah. for the time. I mean, it obviously went quite mainstream. But um, it's just quite funny. I think I was probably about eight and learning, like, these pretty mad gangster raps. <laughs> um, and it was obviously, like, super aggressive. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I don't know, that just came up in my head then. But uh, but my dad's always been into kind of um, prog. Okay. And, like, you know, the uh, early kind of origins of metal. And, right. Like, uh, Led Zepp and... Um, and Sabbath and things like that. So I guess I grew up around all that kind of yeah, guitar yeah. music anyway. Um, so yeah, I had lots of kind of early adoptions of that, but I'm trying to think. Um, I think I got caught up in the wave of new metal like most yeah. people. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, none, yeah, no no cool things to start yeah, with. Yeah. Like, like everyone, it was kind of pop punk, uh, new metal and... Yeah, that was about it, really. So, what were the kind of, what were like the first? Because you mentioned obviously like Led Zeppelin and stuff from your dad, but what were the, yeah, kind of yeah. the first bands that you'd say were kind of like your bands? My bands. Um, I remember around the time I started playing guitar was around the time kind of you know Papa Roach just came out, right? Corn, all that sort of stuff was like hitting the big one. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because it's not alternative by that point. They were like massive, massive. Uh, you know, major record label bands. Yeah, but they were still, like, <laughs> considered of the alternative world, right? Yeah, everyone thought they were an outcast at school, like, wearing a Papa Roach t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. but everyone else was wearing a Papa Roach t-shirt. <laughs> and actually, like, one really early memory, because I was talking to my friend about this the other day, was um, another one was, like, hearing, like, most people, Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a very like vivid memory of that yeah and my sister again being older like knew more about stuff like that than i did um and then yeah and that kind of i started playing guitar around that time so it kind of it's quite good because a lot of that music's super easy to play on guitar yeah, yeah, yeah like pop punk and new metal apart from the tuning so like that was just a really good bass level to go in at and just everything with power chords so yeah yeah i just got really into it that way um and then I only really got into more, like, hardcore and more kind of extreme metal, like, when I was about 14, 15. Yeah, yeah. I started hanging out with some older guys at school who were, like, they played instruments and, like, were into Slayer. Um, and, like, load that was, this was kind of, like, big time for post-hardcore, especially US post-hardcore. So, yeah. like, Poison the Well and um, Glass Jaw and... Uh, Shy Halud were like one of my okay, cool. most favourite bands yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was like 15. Was this pre or post Chad in Shy Halud? This was like during, and I'm trying to think that al- the album with Gert that came after him was probably uh, how old was I? Must have been like 16 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I don't know, Shy Halud were always one of those bands that like no one likes re- that band. Yeah, I was always really on the fence <laughs> yeah. with, with about them, but like, 
I've I went back and visited them recently, and I was like, mm. they do have some absolute not bangers, but like they've oh, got bangers. They, yeah, they've got some, some bangers. They've got some some hard songs. So. There's like I think what it was the reason the planets aligned with that band. Like I mean, they were like a massive deal. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. they're not just like oh, yeah, that song was pretty cool. Like I was heavily into them. Yeah, like I've got a bunch of tattoos. Oh, say <laughs> and. Um, but and it was all about my friend at the time, again one of the older guys I started hanging out with, um, kind of put me onto them. And I think it was that sweet level of like angst, but also kind of like frustration. It wasn't just like oh I don't have a girlfriend and that. <laughs> like it was it was um, you know they're singing about some real like human hatred, yeah yeah, misanthropy like topics, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. really broody and like i was into that <laughs> i was like you know it was kind of next level thinking like i'm at the matrix man <laughs> i see the world for what it is and it's <laughs> terrible um which is actually kind of a bad mindset to take onwards into adulthood yeah, but yeah. um but at the time like i like the lyrics meant like loads to me more than like any other like yeah, artist yeah. i listen to and like when you read it, it's like it's over the top, and I mean you could say it's over the top. I I like things that are over the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's like it's almost like reading poetry. It's yeah. not just like um, it's not just a linear sort of thing. Yeah, it's not just like base level. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, and yeah. I like that as well. The com- the complexity of the music because you know. You could call them a hardcore band. People say they're an early adopter of metalcore yeah. because it's more complex and riffy and yeah, also yeah. melodic. And it's like, I just loved everything about that band. I think it's <laughs> ironic that, like, mm. obviously now you're part of Svalbard and one of, I can't remember who, but I remember talking to Serena about this. Like, one of the mm. guys from Shahilud is actually like, a big Svalbard fan, so it's kind of like yeah, yeah, come full circle. Yeah, I know, I know. Serena like was really into them as well. Yeah, like yeah, when we first met, we like years ago, we had a big chat about. It's one of those bands. It's like you like that band, right? yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You're my new best friend. <laughs> no one else. Yeah, does, I, I, yeah. I rarely get to talk about them, and uh, yeah, I'll fly the flag forever. No, no, that's cool, man. <laughs> that's cool. Um, you mentioned obviously like picking up guitar sort of around that sort of age of like discovering sort of like Nirvana and things like that but mm. was it always guitar that you were you were drawn to in terms of like actually picking up an instrument um it was the coolest one yeah like have you ever seen a guitar it's the coolest fucking <laughs> thing like <laughs> like I'm not a bass player by choice <laughs> it's uh no um yeah I just thought they were so cool yeah I mean I was like 12 when I started learning yeah yeah and um yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to play other instruments, but I've just never been good at them. No. Like, drum... I actually think, secretly, drums are the coolest instrument. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to be a drummer. Everyone air drums. But to actually have the... I can't have independent limbs to yeah, do different I things. Know. I can't do it. Yeah. I, My brain doesn't work that literally, way. Literally, I did... This past week, I thought... It was a band practice. Oh, I'm going to get my drummer's drum kit. Oh, it's always and embarrassing. I, I, could, I can blast because that's just my hands. Yeah. But then put my feet into action. Nah, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I used to always try and to do um, 
uh, Deftones, My Own Summer. I can air drum pretty good, yeah, but I can't. That's, that's all that matters, really. Um, so, yeah, guitar was... And weirdly, like, I started getting lessons with a school friend of mine. Right. And, and like, I was just obsessed with it from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. I think, especially now, when I try and stick to, like, learning a new skill, I just, I give up or... It's just you don't find time to practice. But yeah. I was, well, I guess when you're 12, all you do is school. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of it, I'd have a lesson on Saturday. I'd learn something new. And then that whole week, I'd just practice it every day after school. Yeah. That's all I'd do. That's cool. And so I just got quite good quite yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So whereabouts did you grow up? Um, It was a little bit separated. So I'm actually born... I was born in Gloucestershire, so, like, I'm a secret West Country person, yeah. which is why Svalbard hired me. <laughs> and um, my family's from Wales. Okay. Um, so, it's funny, I'm the only English-born person in, like, my extended family. Oh, No okay. one else. Even my sister was born in Wales. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. It's like they jumped over the Severn Bridge, had me, so I'm, like, the English person, <laughs> which isn't cool from coming from a Welsh family. And, um, but yeah, and then we moved to Kent for a bit, yeah. like Raynham. I, we lived there till I was about eight. And then we moved, um, we moved to Mitchett, which is like a village, not too far from Farnborough, Guildford, yeah. south of London area. Um, and then I did the majority of my growing up there. Yeah. So that was kind of where you were when you, was, I guess, sort of started going to shows and things like that's, that. Yeah. That's when I started playing music, um, properly with friends and things like that and playing first gigs and all that kind of thing so in terms of you like being a a spectator what was kind of like i guess the scene sort of like around sort of that farnborough farnham sort of guildford area there was like um i wasn't actually massively into any of the bands (laughs) (laughs) um but there was a very fruitful time of like ruben hundred reasons like all those bands are from my area yeah like and lived and like kind of worked in ve- like in venues and places like that in the area but i just i wasn't really into that i was in <laughs> that's i guess more kind of uh alt rock i don't know yeah, what you call yeah, them yeah. i mean they wrote a lot of banging tunes don't get yeah. me wrong but um but like i don't think i saw any of those bands ever um <laughs> yeah and i think I didn't go to a lot of shows, actually. If I did, it would be going to London. Okay. Like, uh, when I was too young, like, my dad would, like, you know, bless him, take me to London to go watch Shite because I was too young to go on my own um, and stuff like that. And so I liked a lot of kind of the weird... I don't know what you'd call it. The... The kind of more, I don't want to say tech metal, because that comes with a really, like, awful kind of feeling about <laughs> it. It feels dirty saying tech metal, but, like, you know, bands like Sixth yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Aconite Thrill were, like, a band that I used to love. Um, again, because it, I guess it was more because of the guitars. Yeah. Like, the complexity and, like, the interesting approach mm. and things like that. So a lot of the gigs I went to, I travelled to London. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Maz, who sang in Parizo, um, literally lived down the road from me. Okay. So that's how we met. Yeah, And started going to a lot of shows together and driving places. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of kind of 
your actual sort of like musical playing sort of thing mm. what what was there was there a moment like when you were get going to gigs when you thought like oh yeah this is kind of what i i want to do sort of thing um yeah i think anyone who plays an instrument has this weird little dream in there like rock star dream yeah in their yeah heads. yeah like, if they say they don't, they're <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, some small, like, egotistical, like, I want to be a massive rock star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in everyone. I mean, as you get older, you learn the more that you probably don't want to be that, actually, because it's not as good as you think. But, um, yeah, I think I always... I I was talking about scientists the, about this the other day, because I think only recently, the last couple of years, because I'm 30 now, that I've realised like how important playing music is just in general mm. as part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And I've had this conversation with so many people actually, because we're all old and jaded now when it comes to playing music, <laughs> yeah. and you know none of us are making money from it or anything like that. So there's got to be a reason why we still do it. Yeah, and, yeah. And like for the most part, it's like it is literally therapy. It's, yeah. You know, growing up was like such an introverted kind of kid that um you know all my emotions were internalized so mm. playing guitar especially aggressive music yeah, is yeah. kind of you know it's just a different approach to uh getting those feelings out in the in yeah the, yeah you know i'm not saying an extrovert kind of go punch things is a bad approach as long as it's not <laughs> punching people yeah. or other sentient things but um yeah, I just think, like, it was such a relief for me to be able to play music. Yeah. I'm talking about, you know, coming back from school and playing guitar, like, every day. That was, like, literally... Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's been times where I haven't played music for one reason or another at all, and that's just been a recipe for depression. Like, yeah. It's just, I think... Yeah, I've always kind of... I didn't realise the importance of playing music until more recently I yeah. think you know the dreams of being a rock star have died and I wouldn't, <laughs> and I wouldn't want to be a rock yeah, star yeah, yeah. I mean what's that even mean anymore it's impossible to even achieve um, so I kind of just really enjoy it for what it is which yeah. is just like cheap therapy and... I think that's the thing like even though like <laughs> my band is pretty inactive at the moment like mm. I still regularly attend shows and like I think it's even like that kind of living vicariously like if you're attending shows and mm. sort of getting that sort of experience of live music it's mm. still that kind of like that feeling as you say it's sort of like oh no this is like why I want to live this is why I want to mm. carry it on experience and shit rather than well like, say like going sort of like a few weeks or months without a, going to a gig I mm. get like oh god I'm fucking bummed out I'm bored now sort yeah of like. yeah well, you're, like, probably the most consistent gig warrior <laughs> yeah. I've ever... Like, Tim came to the show yesterday in Bristol and is now in the show uh, in London. Um, and I was talking to uh, the Modern Rituals guys last night because they obviously were on your podcast yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying about how... Um, did you do the podcast in Brighton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rob said, like, he remembers saying, oh, you're from Brighton? You're like, no, I just came for the show. And, like, <laughs> how often do you hear, especially at our age, how often do I hear someone like, oh, I travelled to come yeah. see you play? <laughs> like, if it's not on my doorstep, I'm probably not going to be there half yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's so cool that you actually make Thanks, so man. much of an effort. And yeah. obviously, like, and you do this and you do photography and, like, 
I don't know. I know, I very rarely know people who yeah, put yeah. that much back into it. Because uh, I think like, and you play music as well, so it's like I think a lot of us play music but don't have the energy to do any of that other stuff. <laughs> I think that's the thing though, like if I stop, then I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, so that's why yeah. I just I keep on going. Um, but obviously, we'll get into kind of you actually playing music itself. Obviously, we met through you doing preso. Yeah. Um, but were there bands before that, like, or was kind of because you met, said like obviously me and Maz quite young. <laughs> I'm guessing for the laugh, there clearly was. Oh yeah, there's some. I'm trying to think. I can't even. It's funny how you forget like names of bands, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. definitely a good thing. <laughs> um, I did. Um, so I had like um, playing in the garage, trying to be a pop punk band sort yeah. of bands, but net would like would never actually achieve anything because we were too young and didn't know. It's funny when you don't actually know how to go about something at yeah, that age yeah. as well. Like record a song, how do you do that? I've got no idea, and it's, and you're still trying to piece together how to even write a song. Um, so yeah, there was things like that when I was like fifteen, sixteen. Um, and then I guess some guys from school um, started playing in a kind of like post-hardcore band. Mm. And again, just really terrible, just ripping off loads of bands because that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like, all right, pick three bands and take <laughs> <laughs> take aspects of those three bands and stick them together. Um, and again, like, we just didn't have the drive to really do... I don't think we ever played a show... It's always that thing where it's like, we're not ready yet. And yeah, so yeah. Later you realise that you just do it and then you just get better yeah. at doing it. Um, and then the f- first band that played live uh, was kind of a weird one, actually. It was kind of like an instrumental prog band. Oh, okay. Uh, Serena also used to play in the instrumental prog band. Oh, no way. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. They had three guitarists, though. Mine was just me. Um and yeah, we used to play a couple of shows. That kind of uh, didn't really amount to much. But what it did do was like set up me and the bass player Chris uh, met through that band, and then we went on to do Eulogy after yeah. that. Um, so that was kind of an early adoption of that. And then the drummer actually now plays in a band called Irk, who are like a really awesome really like nice noise yeah. band, like noise rock band yeah. from Leeds. Um, You'd know them. They did like a split with Ren and then they just did like yes, a record yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. It's like really filthy noise rock with just a yeah. like big distorted bass. And yeah, they're awesome. Um, so yeah, that band was kind of fruitful in that weird like yeah, family, yeah. family tree way. Um, and then after that, there was a gap for a while where it's kind of that age, I guess, going to uni mm. and then. Um, trying to find a job and a career and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff and then I guess then the kind of itch set in where I was kind of like oh like I don't play guitar anymore yeah, really. yeah. and I just found myself like recording demos at home mm. in my like downtime not really thinking much about it at yeah. all just I don't even know why I was doing it just for fun because <laughs> um, I was like oh yeah guitar's fun I forgot yeah, how yeah. fun it is and um, and yeah just one day I guess I just rang up a bunch of friends and was like no pressure do you want to just jam these tunes see what happens and then that 
turned into Eulogy, yeah. which was at the time called Stallone. Yeah. Which is, again, like I said, one of the dumbest band names, I think. <laughs> Anyone's, oh, I'm just a big Rocky fan. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so that's kind of like a short version. Yeah. I've omitted some of the so stuff like, you don't need to hear about. So, was Eulogy, well, obviously then Stallone, mm. was that running alongside when you were in Preso? So it started before Preso. Yeah, um, because obviously, as I say, we met... Or it always when... started like a similar time, actually. And I obviously knew Maz... I knew the rest of the Parisa guys through that. And the way that happened actually was I just went and did a tour with them, which was, it was Parisa and the long haul did like a week or something. Like a yeah. UK Cause I tour. think that's, it's probably when I met you first. Yeah. It was cause I booked the Portsmouth show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I was just doing merch and I took my guitar with me and I just like played one or two songs for yeah. a laugh. Uh, like at the end of the set. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like shortly after the bass player Pete left, um, and Stu was always more of a bass player, so they were just like, Do you want to play guitar? And that's how I joined Prezo, and just, yeah, the two bands were just running yeah. parallel at that okay. point. So, because that was the thing, because obviously, I don't mean to diminish what Stallone or Eulogy mm. slash Eulogy did, but obviously, like, I think the momentum of that band kind of came a little bit. Mm. Latterly compared to Pariso, mm. so did things kind of take a back seat in that terms, or were you still kind of working on both bands sort of simultaneously? I think um, Pariso is very much driven by uh, Alex and Stuart, mm. um, and what was quite nice about that band was that like I didn't have to do any of the admin okay. or any of the, that's the best role to have in a band yeah, yeah. it's like don't be the leader of the band because it's like having another job yeah yeah you know in the, in Parisa I didn't book the shows like I didn't organise any of the recordings or I didn't organise any of the label stuff yeah just showed up had fun <laughs> yeah. reaped the rewards <laughs> um and I quite liked my kind of role in writing as well because Alex would write all the main stuff. Yeah. Then we'd get together and jam it together, figure everything out. Um, but I had, like, total freedom of what I played. Mm. Um, so it was just a really nice thing. And then with Eulogy, that was, like, all on me in terms of the admin right, stuff. Right, OK. And I think, yeah, it kind of might have... It sort of did, like, fall by the wayside a bit. I think... Um, just in general, that band, like the other members, had a lot more going on in terms of their careers and stuff. Yeah. So it was harder to to lock down, like doing real tours and stuff. Mm. I do. I still think one one tour, the one really good tour we did, was like one of my favourite tours because it was. Um, it was. You might have put us on on this one as well. Actually, it was. Um, us Razor Eater yeah, and Employed Serve, and employed yeah, serve. Yeah. and Employed Serve like opened most of that yeah. tour, which yeah. I find hilarious now. Um, yeah, because I've actually I spoke to because I've got I've done an episode with Justine that I haven't put out yet, but we yeah. actually spoke about that yeah that show as well, and that was like such a fun time and kind of meeting of like-minded people. Um, that's one of the yeah one of my most favorite tours. So we didn't get to do a lot of touring, but I feel like the the stuff we did do was really good actually. Yeah. Um, 
and I would have loved to have taken that band further, but it would have it would have been a, like really hard yeah to continue it and like have everyone on board to do a lot of stuff like I actually wrote pretty much almost a whole album that just never oh, saw really? the light of day yeah I've got demos for like the whole thing fucking hell um, and there's a part of me that I'm like one day <laughs> I will resurrect uh, that album and record it yeah, and yeah. just I don't even know but um, just one man band it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I've thought about all of that um <laughs> But yeah, so I was kind of, I was actually kind of bummed out that I can kind of see that through because yeah. I kind of just wanted to do like a full length. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone wants to do at least once with a band is like you know throw everything in there, get a whole album out. Doesn't matter what happens after. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, kind yeah. of like it just feels nice, but um, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be really. And I was quite busy in Parisa as well at that yeah. point. Yeah. Well. Yeah. In terms of kind of. Like the business of Parisa, were you? I can't remember if, if you. You must have been in it at this point. The time they went to Cuba. No. Oh, you weren't. Okay. No, I'm still upset about this. No, I feel okay. like Pete. I love Pete, but I think he strategically hung in there <laughs> for an extra month or two <laughs> to get on that sweet Cuba trip because I heard so much about it when they came back. Yeah. And he pretty much quit immediately after. Um, so I was pretty bummed about that. But, okay, well, in terms of kind of, like, just the, the business in general, though, like, because mm. there was that, that whole sort of, like, period of time, wasn't there, where it was, like, Parizo, Kerouac, Long Haul, yeah. Starbard were kind of starting their ascent as well. Yeah. But, like, things were, were really busy for all those bands. So what was it kind of like being in that sort of scene at that time, but then also as you say, kind of trying to sort of do stuff with Eulogy at the same time. Mm. I think, um, I mean, before I joined Parizo, that whole, that whole, that love affair was already happening, like Kerouac, Longhorn, yeah. Parizo, and then you had like Veils, and, you know, it was a, it was a real like tangled talk, yeah, holy yeah. raw love affair that was yeah. happening at the time. And, um, I mean, it helped as well, like being in Parizo, because uh, I met, it's weird how we all met, actually, because when Svalbard were doing their tour with Direwolves, uh, Eulogy were on a show, one of the shows, and Parizo were on a later show on the oh, same okay. tour. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I met them was actually playing in Eulogy, and I'd already heard like one of their new tracks because uh, Andre from Tangle Talk had shared it. Right. And I was like instantly in love with the band, and I was really excited about playing with them. Yeah. Met them, all really nice people, um, and yeah, and then I was obviously gushing about them to the Parizo <laughs> like guys because we were like, oh, we're playing with them in Cardiff, and then again it was just everyone got on so well, yeah, yeah, um, and then kind of almost through that, uh, Svalbard and Eulogy were recording a similar similar time as well, so then we both got released on Tangle Talk at the same time and like did our release shows together. Oh, okay. So it's weird. It's kind of like it's a real spider web at the time. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, um, but also quite cool because we're all giving each other a leg up in certain yeah, ways, yeah. and it was all those connections were just so fruitful. Um, in a really in a way that you can't really uh, fake. It just yeah. kind of happened. Yeah, and I think like that's kind of evident that obviously you well Parizo and Svalbard did obviously that split where mm. things were kind of a bit 
intermingled as well. So, what? Mm. What? Obviously, you said like the, building that connection, but what was that kind of like? Because it's not every day you see bands do something like that. So, was that? What mm. was it like to kind of be part of that? Um, yeah, I like I, the term love affair. Just keeps coming to mind. <laughs> it's like it's, it just felt. Um, everything was so breezy because like at that point we just started playing shows together um i guess alex probably he's always the one who has mad ideas yeah you know what i mean um probably had this idea of a split record mm. um but not just a normal split where it's like side a's Valbard, side b parizo it's like you know let's create two new bands yeah, by yeah. cutting our own bands in half yeah and see what happens and it was literally as kind of wayward as that <laughs> like um Stuart used to um manage a, a studio in London and so we had like a decent rehearsal space so yeah those songs the collaboration songs where we were kind of like okay well Alex Serena um I think Chris at the time who was playing in Svalbard at the time and Kurt I think was one band and then it must have been me, Stuart, Liam, Maz, and uh, and Mark. Yeah. So they were the two bands. And it was literally, we just did it in one day. Like, we went to Stuart's studio. And it was really funny. It was... Um, so we take it in turns because we only had one room together. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, you got to write a song in one hour. Go in. <laughs> and then the rest of us would just wait around. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually kind of nerve-wracking. We, like, presented our songs to each other. <laughs> um, and it was really funny because we, I think we watched... I can't remember what order we did it in. But it was just funny watching each other's reactions. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't know what was going to come out. Because yeah. we're, actually, we're actually quite different-sounding bands. And... You can kind of hear, I feel like our song, the uh, Faceless that we did, me and Liam, etc., was more kind of Parizo. Yeah. In that it was kind of a bit more like riffy, hardcore yeah, yeah. sounding. I think Liam was trying to write Parizo riffs at the time. He's <laughs> like, I want to make it, I want to just pretend I'm in Parizo. Um, and then, yeah, their song kind of, I guess Serena's kind of got such a unique playing style. That yeah, kind yeah. Of, you throw her in the mix and kind of it's going to sound like her and it's going to sound quite what's come to be known as like a Svalbard sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it had the kind of like the riffiness of Alex playing yeah, as yeah. well. And it was just so, it was really exciting and weird. <laughs> yeah. And like was kind of didn't make sense, but it was just fun. I mean... It, I've never done anything like that yeah, like, before or since. I was gonna say, not yeah. not the fact that maybe not necessarily made sense, but like it was definitely an interesting idea, and I think it was one that, I, like in my opinion, I think worked out. Like, yeah, it, it ended the, up sounding good. The weirdest thing was when I, you did it live. That was a bit weird. Yeah, I got to admit. But... Yeah, I can't even remember. We probably only did we do must have done a tour in support of it, and I guess yeah, probably just one tour. Where we did that. Yeah, because I um, remember... Well, because it was you both touring together. Mm. Was it in I mean, You did a show for me, I remember that. Mm. And then maybe went over to Europe straight after, I can't remember. Yeah, we did. I remember... We definitely did the collab in Truro, because I've got a video of it. Yeah. But I can't remember all the dates we did. But, um, 
but yeah, it was a weird experience. But it was just I look ban- back on that like so fondly yeah, at that yeah. time because it was it seemed so just yeah, none of us were really thinking about like making any sort of success out of either yeah, of our bands. Yeah. It was all just we liked each other's bands and thought it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously kind of in a bittersweet way, obviously Parizo and then shortly after Eulogy obviously kind of came to their mm. their conclusions. So was it a bit of a strange thing for you to kind of go from having two bands to no bands in quite a sort of a short yeah relatively short space of time yeah it was really terrible um (laughs) i think i think actually the grind got to a lot of us as well because a lot of us were going through changes in our lives and whether it was work or relationships or other things um this is like when prezo split up um, and Alex went travelling. We had oh, we had yeah, Sammy yeah, yeah. Sammy from Employed to Serve fill in a lot, and also um, Simon from Apologies. Oh uh, yeah, he also filled in quite a bit. And I think we instead of what we should have done is just have a break. Yeah. But we just like kept on grinding and booking loads of gigs, and there were a lot of them were like gigs we shouldn't have played. <laughs> Not just because it wasn't like the proper lineup, but because it was just taking stuff for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. Which we never used to do that much, but I don't know what happened. We just kind of started saying yes to things instead of taking our gut instinct. Just yeah. When you start thinking, oh, this might be good for us because this person has this connection. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or this promoter. And then one, I think once you start thinking like that, the fun starts getting drained out of it instantly. Yeah. And we all felt it because we, we were taking loads of time out from work and other stuff yeah. and and it was just stressing us all out to the point where I think um, yeah Maz just one day was just like I can't do this anymore <laughs> I remember him ringing me and just saying I can't keep doing like gigs for no money and yeah, stupid yeah. places playing to like crowds that don't want to watch us Yeah. Um, so yeah instead of just we thought we'd just wrap it up quite nicely. Yeah. We did, like, release anything that we hadn't released yet on one thing and recorded a couple of songs that we had, like, hanging around. Yeah, yeah. That, like, in retrospect, were a bit unfinished, but we kind of just, you know, we thought it would just be a little bit of an ender. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, played the last show with all our best friends. So yeah. That was nice. And then, obviously, after that, kind of... Was Modern Ritual sort of, sort of the next band... Yeah, yeah. So Eulogy kind of we put that to bed shortly afterwards because much for kind of the same reasons, yeah. just not being able to commit and stuff. Because I think we played maybe one of your last shows with you because it was us, you guys. I want to say pronounced in Basingstoke. What divorcee? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Not... Yeah. Yeah. It was actually it was with pronounced, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I remember seeing you. Um, and did you just start working like in Basin Circle? Yeah, like, not that long yeah, beforehand, yeah. yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. Um, yeah, so we couldn't, yeah, it just felt like too much to continue. Um, I would have put more into it, like I said. I wanted yeah, to yeah. record an album to, to if that was just going to be the end, then that was going to be the end. But I wanted to record the album really badly, but it just became too much of a struggle yeah. and too much stress. Um, 
and then yeah I didn't play music for a bit after that um and I thought initially it was going to be a relief but it turned out just being really bleak yeah yeah not have like just living the the norm life (laughs) (laughs) just working (laughs) just working to live and that's it yeah I mean I do like I think that's where like things like you know I've always liked taking photos like I've taken film photos for about 10 years yeah yeah I think that was I started bringing that back into my life and things like that and doing zines and other trying to occupy myself with other art forms um and writing and things like that but yeah, there's there's just a special kind of uh, therapy that comes from music. Yeah, I think yeah. for me. Um, so yeah, I kind of just moved in um, with a friend, and again, one of these weird um, incestuous kind of <laughs> yeah. scene moments where my my very old friend that I moved in with her boyfriend Rob uh, plays in Modern Rituals. And then we, I kind of slowly made the connection that Harry, who sang in the long hall, was it also in yeah, this band, yeah. which was kind of like a mind blower. <laughs> um, and again, it was another like, I I tend to just like jump in at these weird weird circumstances where they yeah. just lost a guitarist again for like the third time, and I was like, I just want to play music, yeah, like yeah. really bad. And I went to go. I was a little bit concerned because I was like, I never played in. I feel like you can't actually put that band in a box. Yeah, it's. I think it's lazy to call them like an alt rock band because yeah, they're not that really. They're kind of just whatever they feel like playing yeah, yeah. goes, which I which I really like loved, and it was a bit different. And I went to go see them live because I was like, I just need to check that they're good live. And I thought they were, <laughs> I thought they were really awesome and different. Um, and yeah, so I just started playing with them. Yeah, well, because that's what I was going to ask. Like, obviously, going from playing quite abrasive music mm. in both Prezo and Eulogy, was it quite a bit of a culture shock going to? I'm, I mean, modern rituals do have their heavy moments. But yeah, yeah. It's more kind of seven... rooted in kind of noise rock and yeah. Like, yeah. So was it a bit of a culture shock going into that and like having to maybe sort of rework your style a little bit or or not? Um, well, I've always loved like I'm definitely not one of these people who's like I only fly the flag for crust. <laughs> yeah. Like I I love all kinds of music and I actually you know people always say this but I do these days rarely listen to heavy music yeah like if i do i've got to be in a certain mood of pissed off probably yeah, yeah. or something like that and um so for me it was like oh i get to play all these things that i never get to play you know i get to use yeah. my clean channel on my amp and play some nice stuff and um but it's funny you say like culture shock the more culture shock came from like playing the shows and like you know i'm used to people like at the time stage diving yeah, and yeah, circle yeah. pits and things like that yeah. and then all of a sudden i'm faced with people like just not doing any of that <laughs> yeah or like or dancing sometimes yeah. like i've never had someone maybe slam dancing but not, uh, <laughs> uh, and i was just i was actually really into that i was actually like and it was kind of interesting talking to all these different people and playing with bands that I didn't know existed. Yeah, yeah. And weirdly playing venues that I'd never played with before. Yeah. Because 
I never really considered it before, but I guess it's true that some venues are very like, you know, they're driven towards one genre. Yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah, of course. I ended up playing all these venues, so I never heard of this place. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was nice. It was like a, just a total new scene. I felt like I was like learning lots about That's cool. different parts of yeah, music yeah. and like listening, even like just listening to different bands in the in the van that I'd never heard yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is cool. It's like different. That's cool. And then, obviously, now part of of Svalbard. So, I know kind of circumstances as to mm. why Adam sort of had to leave the band. Mm. But obviously, how did it come about that you sort of stepped in and are now bassist number five? I want to say. I think it's six. <laughs> oh, six. There we go. I think if you count my first stint, then it's seven. <laughs> but um, yeah. So there was actually. Was it two? I think well, Adam and Ben were at the show yesterday, so it was three in one room. Oh, uh, Tony probably would have been there, but he was away. T- Tony gets back today, so yeah, that's a bummer. That would have been brilliant if it was yeah. just like a weird, like <laughs> yeah, incestual oh, bass. I think I should have done like one song each, get <laughs> on, on rotation. But yeah, I did. So I did a stint in Svalbard before. Right. Uh, Parizo was already over at this point. And I did some touring with them because one of the other bass players just left. Yeah. Zach, I think, maybe just left. Okay. Um, and at the time, kind of, they said, like, do you want to do it full time? And I kind of thought, I don't know. I just had it in my head that it would be too much, I guess, because of the grind of Parizo. Yeah, And I just yeah. thought, oh, I don't think I can do that again. Like, it's too much. Um, and then I think I kicked myself a little bit after that. Um and yeah the way it came about again this time was um so i did a record with modern rituals which i'm really proud of uh but like i just felt like some it just didn't feel right yeah it's like a gut feeling i don't know if it was because i just wanted to play aggressive music again yeah or, yeah or i don't know it's a different kind of that band are so driven like they will like do some pretty hardcore mm. gigging and yeah, practicing yeah. and they rehearse a lot and it's very intense and I think it was like a bit too much at the time um, so yeah I kind of quit that and then I saw Liam we went to go see um, Friendship Japanese oh, band yeah, yeah. Uh, in London and we I was kind of joking around saying like if you ever tour America or uh, Japan, you should just get rid of Adam. Bring, <laughs> bring me back. Just bring me back. Uh, but I said, you know, all jokes aside, you know, I wish I kind of did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, back then. Um, and then I I think it was literally that later that week, Liam kind of texted me and says, yeah. oh, Adam's decided to leave. <laughs> and it was just kind of weird. Again, like, I kind of seem to fit yeah. in with all these coincidences. <laughs> Uh, that kind of like align with my life like yeah, changing yeah. as well often um, so yeah and it's just been a breeze yeah because I've known them so long and I know the songs so well yeah yeah because I listen to them so many times that it's kind <laughs> yeah. of not it's just yeah it's not hard to get back into it and I guess like in a way your dreams kind of well your foreshadowing has come true in the fact that you're like going Gabrielle to... said dreams can come true <laughs> in the fact that you're going to Japan yeah which is wild <laughs> and I didn't put a hex on Adam he <laughs> I don't know his reasoning but I'm 
I heard he left to his own accord. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you probably know more than I do. Um, I didn't do anything weird. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even think I knew that the Japan thing was happening at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love, I love, uh, Japanese culture as well. Like various points in my life, I've like kind of studied Japanese at a very basic, bad level. Um, and I went once when I yeah. was about 20, 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just went on my own for 10 days and had like the biggest, that was a real big culture shock. Yeah, That's yeah. the definition of culture shock because I was like, <laughs> oh, it's not like Europe where you can get away with speaking English. You yeah, to, yeah. And, uh, and also like, you know, being vegan, it's, it was, especially then, yeah, uh, seven years ago, it's like borderline impossible. Yeah, yeah. I was just like eating fruit and um, rice, and rice. Yeah, like noddy. That's it. Um, so yeah, I've always loved Japan. I've always wanted to go back, and I just never thought I'd play a show there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone with fucking who is it? Oh, like it's envy, stupid. Mono explosions in the sky, etc., yeah. etc. Et and our friends that we that when I was previously in Svalbard, we toured with a German band. Tidalsleep, oh, Tidalsleep, yeah, who are amazing yeah, and yeah. the nicest people to yeah, tour with. Yeah. So they are coincidentally, I think, playing there the same time. Yeah. So that's why we're playing a show with them now. Are they not playing? Are they not playing the festival though? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think that I can't remember. I don't think they are. Oh, okay. So it's just again stars aligned sort of thing. Yeah, but I mean, I might be wrong there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's just like going on holiday with your best mates <laughs> and seeing some other of your mainland mates yeah, and yeah. playing some shows with some bands you've listened to since you were 13 that's cool just yeah not weird at all oh well, there you go um <laughs> i will start to to round this off mm. um how i like to to end it is to sort of ask my guests what their favorite song is um mm. but with a bit of a twist so um what is live obviously how in this second stint is this fourth show with farbard now or has it been more than that uh, so the second stint, yeah, we played three shows in Finland, so it's just number five. Oh yeah, five. of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it might might be a bit, bit of a difficult one to answer, but I don't know. But what is your favourite Svalbard song that you like to play live, and why? None of them. Um, <laughs> I what's my favourite song to play live? Um, hmm. I think. It's hard to choose one because I actually really enjoy playing every song yeah. for different reasons. Um, I really enjoy... Do I have to choose one? It's so difficult. You can go for two at a push. I will choose... I'll choose Damage Done, yeah. which is the oldest song in the set. <laughs> yeah. And I think probably the first song I ever saw Svalbard play... Yeah. Because it's it's always been a classic opener, and I'm pretty yeah, sure they yeah. play. I'm pretty sure they opened with it the first time I saw them, and it was just like everything that's great about that band. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's heavy riffy parts. It's like it's crust. There's D beat. There's blasts. There's like post rock leads. There's it's literally everything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it survived. Yeah, oh yeah, that's, definitely. That song's still in the set. Yeah, yeah. After literally their inception i imagine yeah and yeah i always have so much fun playing that song perfect there yeah. we go hef thank you very much for your time really appreciate thank you very it. much
so there we have it folks thanks again to her for taking some time uh ahead of the svalbard show in london a few weeks ago to have a little chat with me um svalbard will actually be headlining a free half day event in brighton uh at the green door store this coming saturday so if people are in brighton or around that general area come along the lineup is absolutely killer and as i said it's free so you've got no excuses um so yeah come along hang out come say hi um as always, you can keep up to date with what Svalbard are doing as well on all their various social media platforms, which will be linked in the description of this episode. Um, that is it for, for another week. I uh, just wanted to say we've got some really awesome uh, guests coming up in the next coming weeks. So keep your eyes peeled. And thank you again, as always, dear listener, for supporting the show. Uh, thank you for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast again. And I will see you soon.